shared about our plans for the future, that part of the very important vision of this church is, is for, to help us to connect our, t- together in a meaningful way. So that we just come in and say, hello, how are you? And we smile and say, I'm blessed, thank you, and your life's falling apart. God's designed us to be in relationship with one another. And so we've started, we've done this before in a little different setting. We've started these connect groups that Virtus talked about. We've had sign-up table out there. So what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to ask some of those leaders to come up and share with you just for a moment some of what their, what their groups are about, and then we'll just encourage you in it. So Virta, those of you that are connect group leaders, if you would come on up. Would you help her? No, her, I'd like you to help her. <laughs> Well, you got the microphone, Verda. Go ahead. <laughs> Amen. Hi, church. Um, Gary and I are the leaders uh, for, we facilitate the small group Christianity 101. And it's just a, um, and it was just a great opportunity. We did it for the first time as a in the small group format before Christianity 101 had been led as a teacher-led or instructed-led teaching format but this time um, Pastor John, Pastor um, Chris, they wanted to switch it up, Pastor Ray, to have it as a small group so this was the first time we did it in a small group format and it was just excellent it was an opportunity for us to just talk about the basics in terms of what it means to be saved what it means to be filled with the holy ghost what do you do after you get saved what do you do when you make a mistake you know and how do you move forward and so that was what it uh what we talked about and what was the uh, content of the service and and being in that small group format everybody had an opportunity to ask questions to say what they wanted to say and uh, if you had a question wasn't sure about a particular topic you had the opportunity to talk through with that and I think I I um, cho- I I was part of the leadership team and facilitated one of the questions that we we they wanted us to talk about is why did we step up to be leaders here or facilitate this particular group? And one of the reasons I did it was that I wanted to be more involved in the church in a different way. I had taught in fifth and sixth grade in the children's church for a lot, a lot of years. And the Lord just leading me to get involved in a different way. And so that's what I did. And I actually asked, you know, could I, you know, go in a different way? And then this opportunity came up to teach and be a part of Christianity 101 in the small group. That's it, Ray. Good morning. I'm Colleen. I'm Colleen Harrington, and Monica La Liberty and I are co-leading a group called Alpha Angle. And Alpha Angle is a group that explores the basics of Christianity in a relaxed and friendly environment. It's based on Alpha, which has helped churches around the world to reach people with the love of God. Each session includes a video followed by discussion where people are just free to ask anything and state their opinions. So uh, Monica and I had been involved with this last uh, session when the small groups ran and it was really a blessed time and I'm just really happy to be doing it again and to see it grow. Um, God is doing a great thing through Alpha. Um, it it's transformed churches and people really have an opportunity to come and to just be in a relaxed setting and feel free to speak however they want to share their opinion. So, uh, there's a table in the back and we invite you to come and take uh, some invite cards to give to people that you know because everyone is welcome. You don't have to be a member of FCC here. 
you don't have to be coming here for a long time. It's, it's for people who may never even have stepped foot into a church before in their life. So please take some cards and sign up and come and be part of it. We look forward to seeing you there. Pastor Michael, before you do that. Alpha, what, what, if you've ever wondered, well, how can I share my faith? I know there are people, I just don't, I don't know how to do that. That's what this program's ultimately for. And it will, it will give you a place you can invite somebody into that may never come to church that's willing to ask questions. Pastor Smucker, who's coming here next week, his church exploded when they began to do this, and they're well over 4,000 people now. So uh, it will help you, it will help you to grow, help you to connect with people that you may not ever be able to get into church. So, Pastor Michael. Yeah, my wife and I, we have the privilege of doing the art of parenting. Not that we're experts in parenting, but of course we have some experience. But in each of these sessions, uh, we have a video where we get to hear from other parents sharing their experiences, parents and parenting. And, uh, and, it's, and they provide some very practical insights and some very important biblical principles on raising children. Uh, some of the things that you'll learn from these sessions are the goal of parenting. And one of the things I've learned about that is that we have to be intentional as parents. We need to know where we're taking our children. And, of course, the ultimate goal is to lead our children's heart to the Lord. Other things that you'll learn from this session is how to shape and form their character, how to apply discipline, how to prepare them for mission. And so so these are just some of the things that you get to learn as parents. And, of course, it's a very informal uh, gathering you know, it's, it's also a, a great time of fellowship where we get to hear your experiences and we get to share our experiences and we get to encourage one another, support one another, pray with one another. And it's very informal and laid back. And so we encourage you, if you're parents, you have children running around in your home, you qualify for this. Unless, of course, you're taking some of these other small groups. But if you have children, please come on by. Learn, experience, and, and share. And, um, and if you have any questions, my, either my wife and I will be out in the foyer, and you can certainly ask us about these things, and we're looking forward to seeing you there. So that's it. I want to thank all of them for their volunteering. It's, it's, you can tell it's in their heart. There's a passion. But I want this one more comment about this, their small groups because they're going to grow. And it's that, as I shared several weeks ago, we are known as a teaching church. That's been kind of the foundation of who we are. And teaching is very important. It's necessary to, to be fed on a regular basis. But if all you do is receive teaching, you'll never really grow. The things that you need to grow is be able to interact with other people. Because you can't ask questions in here. You can raise your hand, and I just think that means you need to go to the restroom. But because we're too large to do that, and that's not the setting nor where the anointing is for this. But we really grow as we take what we're hearing and begin to integrate it into our lives, but to do it in relationship with other people. And as you share and are vulnerable and real with other people, because none of these leaders have it together. They're just they're there because they're committed and they're growing. No, I don't have it together. Just ask my wife. She knows that very well. But, we, but as we share, even with our weaknesses and our struggles, and pray for one another, several things happen. We get stronger because now we've opened our lives up that you can't do in this kind of setting. And you get a chance to give to people out of your own experience. And you may not realize how God can use you to bless and help other people because you know yourself so well. God knows what he can use in you to help someone else. So I can't, I can't say how much I want to encourage you to become involved in these. And as we begin to announce them later on, to become involved as becoming a, a, a leader in those. The second thing about them is they're, again, a great opportunity because you heard Pastor Michael talk talk about parenting. How many of you know people that work or something, they talk about, well, I don't know what to do with my kids. Oh, I have an answer for you. We have a great group in our church that will help you with that. And they're not a Christian, but you can come, get them into a setting where the, where the gospel and the love of Christ can, can meet them in their everyday issues of their lives. Now there's an opening because a relationship has begun to develop. So that's the vision behind these. And it is a very critical part of why we're here. And you'll hear more and more about that. So again, 
When you leave here, if you want to get more information, talk to them. There's a table out in the back. Please stop and take those and talk to them and, and please sign up. And if we need to, to expand them, we will do that. I, we'll work, well, that's a good problem to have. So thank you again, your leaders, for coming and, and sharing. You know, I was thinking, <laughs> I'll just be honest with you and share. No, I'm always honest with you. I'll be transparent and share with you. I love when people say, well, I'm, I'm going I'm to be honest with you. That implies... When you don't say that, does that mean you're not being honest with me? If you've got to tell me you're being honest with me. And I, is that I was sitting, standing there while I was listening to actually worship. And, and I'm, I love teaching. I love doing this. So my, my, my flesh wants to get up here as soon as I can so I have the most amount of time. And, and so, and I'm thinking, it's like, you know, Lord, I'll just, just shorten this down. Can we shorten this down? And the Lord stopped me. And he said, you just, you think that the preaching's everything, don't you? And he said, you don't, and this is where he, and it's not that I don't know that, but I got up in that flow. And he reminded me how critical what they were going to say is for what he wants to do here. And so that's why I let them say whatever they wanted to say. Now it's my turn. (laughs) No, it's the Holy Spirit's turn. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that's going on. You're just, we, we just trust our lives into your hands. We thank you that we serve a God who's a good, good God. And so we're so thankful that we serve a God who moves mountains, who heals and saves and delivers and turns impossible situations around. We thank you we serve a God who hears, who listens, but who also speaks. And so we've come today to meet with our God and to have communion and communication back and forth with you. And now we're we're looking to you to speak to us. Speak to us not through a man's mouth, but by your spirit, to take the word of God and begin to deposit that word in our hearts. Your word promises us that there are things that our eyes have not seen, our ears have not heard, nor that entered into the hearts of men that the things that God has prepared for those who love him, and that's us. But your spirit's been given to us to reveal those secrets of your heart. So we're trusting the Holy Spirit this morning to do just that, to take what you've put in my heart and to use my words to speak into our hearts what you want to say to us. So may we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to grasp what the Spirit is saying to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week I began a series which I've been, which as I shared is when I did the School of Ministry, if there was any, any course I taught that would be a signature course to me, it was this course. And, and so uh, several times, the last time I did this was in 2015, but I, I may have done it on a Wednesday night. So I want to take some time and begin to do this because it's so critical to learn about renewing your mind. So I, I don't have time to go through all of last week, but if you put up Romans 12, verse 1, this is our key stricture, stri- ver- 1 and 2, put one up. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercy, brethren, by the mercies of God. And last week we went back and reviewed the first 11 chapters, which is all about how God's mercy has been extended to us. So Paul is appealing to us when we understand how merciful God is to us. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, this is where we want to get to. But do not be conformed to this world. But be, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God is. So the first thing he tells us to not do is not be conformed to this world. The Greek word I taught you last word, week was a word called suchimiso, which means to be pressed. It's to take something that has a, like a pure metal or something, a coin, and you make a mold of what you want it to look like on the outside, and then under great pressure, that mold is pressed down on that metal, and the result of the mold and the pressure is it makes the outside of that metal now resemble the mold that was just pressured onto it. And, and, and the world system, Satan, the god of this world, is try- he couldn't stop you from being saved or you wouldn't be here. So the next best thing you can do is stop your life from having any influence on anybody else. And since all they can see is the outside of you, what he wants to do is to put pressure on you so you're molded from the pressure of this world so that on the outside, regardless of what's on the inside, so the outside you look just like the world so the world doesn't see any difference between you and them. 
And he's been very successful with this. Because the church does not stand out in glorious, bold relief in this world today, in this nation or around the world. Why? Because the church is you and me. Because we've allowed the pressures of the world, the systems of the world, the thought patterns of the world, the value of the world to be pressed on us so that we look and act and talk just like the world. But that doesn't change the metal that's on the inside. So he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That's a very different word. It's the word from which we get metamorphosis, which describes the process by which a caterpillar goes at the appropriate time into a, weaves a cocoon, and when, when the cocoon, when the, when the process is finished, bursts out into this beautiful butterfly. That butterfly was in the cocoon, was in the caterpillar, the potential, all the was in the caterpillar, but it had to be transformed so that what was on the inside came to the outside. It's the same word that the Bible uses to describe when Jesus was up on the mountain. Because we read before, he laid aside all that glory that, so you couldn't see. If you looked at him, the Bible says in Isaiah, he didn't look like any different than any other man. When they looked at him from the outside, you couldn't see it. They could see it in his, hear it in his words, and they could see it in his actions. But when he was up on that mountain, he allowed the glory that he had let aside to come out of his real nature, and he gloried with the glory of God, so much that Elijah and Moses came down to talk with him, and Peter wanted to build three churches around the experience. So the word means to take what you really are on the inside and bring it to the outside so it's visible to others. So notice, both of these words have to do with what's Look, you look like on the outside. And that refers to how you talk, the demeanor that you have, the way you conduct yourself, and the attitude that you have. And so, it's the, so that we are to be transformed. We're to take what God has put in us and bring it to the outside. And the process is by the renewing of your mind. And notice there's a reason for it. That you may prove something about God. We're here to prove something about God. There's a verse in Ephesians, I'm not going to put it up there, but it's in Ephesians 3, verses 8 through 11. It says that God may demonstrate the mystery, may demonstrate to the principalities and powers the unsearchable riches that God's put in you. So there's much at stake by this transforming process. You can tell how much is at stake on it by telling how strong the opposition is and the pressure is to keep what's in you from coming out. Because Satan knows what's in you better than you know what's in you. So that's what we started talking about last week. What I want to talk about today, we didn't get to it last week, what I want to begin to talk about today is what exactly has God put in you? What's in you that God wants to be come to the outside and He needs so desperately what He's put in you to come to the outside so that others can see it and are drawn to Him through you. See, we've tried to make evangelism happen with programs, evangelism happen by guilt, by pushing, pushing people and pressuring people, and they don't, it doesn't work. Why? Because that's not biblical evangelism. doesn't mean you can't go and share your faith. But it should come out of who you are. When something good has happened to you, sometimes it's hard to keep your mouth shut. My wife had some experience with God this morning and I love her dearly and it was wonderful, but I'm trying to get ready and she wouldn't stop talking about it. I said, dear, I love you and I'm so excited for you, but please, I need a little bit of quiet. She was so, because what was happening in her was so real, she couldn't contain it. That's evangelism. Called being filled with the Spirit. So there's much at stake here. So we're going to spend some time today looking at what God has put inside you. And then we're going to look at what's showing up on the outside. And we're going to see the difference. But it's good. It's good. All right. So a lot of this you know. The first thing we need to know is God's perspective on you is different than yours. When God looks at you, He doesn't see what you see. I don't know about you, but I'm very glad about that. 
Every once in a while, I catch a shot, I catch a, a, online a clip of one of my messages, and I'm thinking, he looks old. <laughs> I start seeing this, and I'm saying, he's old. And then the Lord speaks to me and says, but on the inside, you're very alive right now. On the inside, you're stronger than this is what the scripture says. Although the outward man's getting older, the inward man's being renewed. So God's perspective on you is not your perspective on you. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. That's a whole series right there. That's really what this is about. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't think the way you think. So what we're going to learn is renewing our mind is learning to think about you the way God thinks about you. Learning to think about Him the way He is. Learning to think about the world around you the way God thinks about it. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. And here's the difference. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He's not saying you can't think my thoughts, but you have to renew your mind to begin to think His thoughts. Some examples in Judges chapter 6. This is a great story. Do you have that to put up there? This is a story of the Midianites have come through and they've just burned the Israelites' place. They've taken their crops, they've left nothing there. And there's a whole series of stories behind that. And this is a young man named Gideon. And as a result, he's so afraid the Midianites are going to come back, he's hiding down in a well, in a wine press. He's hiding from them. Now God's chosen him to deliver his people. But he's a young kid, scared that the enemy might come back, and he's hiding in a wine press. And look, what the, an angel of the Lord came to him and sat down under the terebinth tree, which was an Oprah, not Oprah Winfrey, but Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Everett. And while his son Gibeon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites, verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, What in the world are you doing down here? You really should be scared. My goodness, what kind of, what kind of coward are you? No. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and says, The Lord be with you, O mighty man of valor. I get this image. He's down in the wine press. This angel appears and says, The Lord be with you. That's great. O mighty man of valor. And he starts looking around. Who else is in here? Who, who are you talking to? But notice God's calling things that he, that we don't see because God sees something that He's made in Him and God calls things that be not that you can't see so that what He's put in you begins to come to the outside. Oh, mighty man, oh, mighty man of valor. Let's, let's look at, a, at, another, at another instance. Let's go to Genesis 17. This is God's, God, part of God's calling... Uh, 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 God calling Abraham. And God has called Abraham to be the father of many nations, the father of the whole nation of Israel, as well as all the people that come out of there. And he says to them, Behold, my covenant is with you. Now Abraham at this point is, I think at this point he's about 90 years old. He's not functioning physically the way he did when he was 20. I won't go into details. They have no children. His wife is 80, around 80. So she's dried up in terms of her reproductive system. But beyond that, she was barren to begin with. So there's three strikes against them. And God's called him to be the father of many nations. And God says, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of many nations. Next verse. No longer shall you call your name Abram. He's changing his image of himself. No longer, I'm going to change your name. But you shall be called Abraham, which means the father of many nations. So now he, every time he refers to himself, he's calling himself a father of many nations. For I, look at it, I have made you. He looks at his wife, looks at himself. There's no kid around me. And God says, I, as for me, I, as for my side, I have already made you a father of many nations. Joshua chapter 6, verse 2. Joshua is the, follows after Moses. 
leads the second generation over, over across the Red Sea, across the, the, the Jordan River, and the first obstacle they have is the city of Jericho, which is surrounded by walls that the, arche- that the archaeologists tell us were so wide they had chariot races on top of it. And it's impenetrable. We sang about that this morning, didn't we? Our God can move the immovable. Well, here's an immovable obstacle in the way of God's call to Israel, what they're to do. So God brings, brings Joshua out to the edge of the city to sit on a hill, and the Lord appears to him through an angel, and the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hands. It's king and it's mighty man of valor. God's telling him what he already sees. I see you victorious. I have already given this. Now, the walls were still up. The Jericho army was still in place. But God's declaring what he sees because he doesn't think. We think in terms of what we see. God thinks in terms of what he's done. I went through all of that because we're going to talk about what God says He's done in you. So what has God done in you? Who are you really on the inside? What has God said? Well, we're going to go through a number of things here. First of all, God has removed... Now, I'm talking this morning to people that have given their life to Christ, that have invited in their life as, as, as their Savior, put their trust in Him as their Savior, and put their life into His to be Lord. You are, and we'll talk about what that means in a minute. And so what God's, what God's thoughts about you are, what God says about you are, I've ta- see, the problem you and I had is we're trying to be better people, but our nature was, all, was, was still full of self and sin. And I've used this example many times before. Oh, I've got to move along that we tried to change what we were really like by changing what we do. And it's like trying to take an apple tree and turn it into an orange tree by going to the store and buying oranges and gluing them on the stems. And it looks outwardly for a while like it's an orange tree because you're looking at the oranges until the wind blows and the oranges fall off because they did not come out of the nature of the tree. Because that apple tree at the right time of year will produce apples. Why? Because it's an apple tree and that's its nature. So God had to change your nature into His nature. So now we can produce, He can produce His nature through your life so that people can see. All right, let's walk this through. 2 Corinthians 5 16. Therefore, from now on, he's talking about, again, how we see one another, how we see ourselves. Therefore, from now, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. So when you get up in the morning, when you look in the morning in the mirror, say, I don't regard you that way anymore. That's not who you really are. I'm not looking at the real you. Even though we've known Christ according to the flesh. So there was a time when we knew him because we could see him and touch him. We could see the out, we could see his physical body. But that's not the relationship we have anymore. We don't have a physical relationship. It's a spirit to spirit relationship. So he's trying to get the Corinthians' eyes on who they are on the inside. We don't regard, therefore, now, even though we regarded Christ according to the flesh, we don't, we don't know him that way any longer. How do we know? So we're not to regard one another according to what we see on the... Oh, what would this preach? We don't regard one another according to how we see on the outside. The color of your skin, your nationality. We're not to regard... I'm not saying we don't acknowledge there's differences and blend those differences together, but that's not our nature. So how do we regard one another? How do we regard ourselves? Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, are you in Christ? He is a new creation. That word creation is literally in Greek that has much more meaning to it. It means a new species of being that has never existed before. So when you received Christ, the Spirit of God came in you and that old man was taken out of you. It died. That's what he goes on to say. All things have passed away. Your old nature passed away. We'll talk later on. You still got your mind and your soul, but your nature changed. 
All things have become new. You are new on the inside. I'm not talking how you feel right now. We'll talk about that in a minute. All right, let's look at some other things. Uh, Let's go to John chapter 3. This is a conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I said to him, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Stop there a second. The word see has several meanings to it. One of the meanings that has is, 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 is perceive. So unless you are born again, you cannot perceive God's kingdom because it's spiritually perceived. But the word also means enter. So most of, this is Jesus saying this, by the way. This isn't some theologian. This is Jesus. Peter doesn't sit at the gate of heaven. All the jokes say he does. Jesus is the gatekeeper. I am the door. He answered, this is what it takes. Behold, I say, surely I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now the word again in Greek has two meanings. The first meaning is the obvious meaning a second time. But it also means from above. So Jesus is saying, unless a man be born a second time, and this time it's a birth that comes from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now we're not going to go on the the verses that follow that. Nicodemus can't understand this, because all he's thinking about is the physical body. And he goes on and says, you know, how can a man get back inside his mother's womb? And Jesus is trying to show him, I'm not talking about your body. And he uses the wind as an example. He says, when the wind blows, you can't tell where it's come from or where it's going because you can't see the wind. But that doesn't mean it's not real. But you can tell when it's been here because you can see the limbs on the ground. You can see the trees swaying. So you can see the results of the wind even though you can't see the wind and what Jesus is teaching. You can see the results of this new birth in the inside, but you can't see it happening. So if if you are... In Christ, you are a new creation, a new species of being on the inside in your nature. Or we really have to move along. John chapter 17, we're not going to turn there, says you have God, it talks about being one with Him. We are one, well, let's look there. John 17, 20. I do not pray for these alone. This is Jesus praying. But I pray for those who believe in me through their word. So He's praying for you and me. Because you believe through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. We believe through their word they wrote. That they all may be one. This was the last prayer Jesus prayed before he went to the cross. That we have a record of. That they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That's great. We understand that. That they also may be one in us. So when what God did in you, when he put his nature in you, he made you his child He made you one with Him the same way Jesus is one with Him. So, when He sees you, He sees who you are on the inside, and He sees Jesus when He sees you. And our mind goes, tilt. But, that's Jesus' prayer. And we would take time. There's so many scriptures we could give you to t- show you this. In fact, there's a little book Kenneth Hagin wrote in him that lists all these scriptures. Uh, I've got to move on. That's the first thing. That, well, now, what does this mean? If Christ literally is in me, if God is in me, if I have his nature, what, what does that mean? It means that if he's in me, his nature what he's like must be in me. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, he just finished talking about what are the works or deeds of the flesh. That's the outer man, what you look like on the outside. So he uses a different word here. Those outer actions he called works, they're deeds, they're things you do that can be seen. But this is the fruit. The fruit is the result of the new nature God has put in you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You've got self-control in you. We'll talk about that when we get into the 
that you can renew your mind. You have self-control in you. The next time you look at that piece of cheesecake and it's talking to you, say, I have self-control in me. I'm serious. Now go back to verse 22. This is the fruit. The fruit of the apple tree is the apple. It's its nature to produce an apple. It's your nature to to produce love, joy, peace, and all the rest of these. I just want to highlight a couple of these. Love is God's kind of love. A love that lays itself down for others regardless of who they are. If you want to know what that's like, 1 Corinthians 13. Joy. It's an inner force that's not based on the circumstances around you. This is one of the greatest fruit that Christians should be bearing in this time is the joy of the Lord. First of all, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if you're weak, it's because this joy is not flowing out of you. Imagine being at work when they get the latest news on the pandemic and Ukraine and China and all this stuff and you're just so full of joy and they wonder what's wrong with you. It's contagious. It draws you. Peace. In the middle of everything, Jesus said, my peace I give you. He's about to go to the cross and he's walking in perfect peace that didn't come from the circumstances. And if he had that peace, that peace is in, is in you. Self-control. Go to Ephesians 1. I've got to go down this quickly. Oh my goodness. Oh wow. Lord, I'm not going to get this done today. Ephesians 1. I'll go to it too. Verse, chapter, verse 2. Grace and peace to go from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Keep going. Blessed be the God and Father, Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, spirit-given blessing, in heavenly places in Christ. This is what He's put in us. Just as He chose us in Him. He chose us to be in Him before the foundation of the world. How? That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. So when God looks at you, He sees you holy tilt but this is how God sees you because he sees Jesus you are his child what do you think a child's like he's like you're a chip off the old block you are you have his nature because you're his child and he lives in you and you're one with his son and the same spirit that lived in him lives in you and that same spirit lives in us with each other so we're one with each other also we'll talk about that another time verse 6 oh, let's see, no, I guess we're going to go down through these quickly verse 7 we have redemption in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins verse 11 we have an inheritance from Him from which we to look forward. So let's put that first slide up. I've had some slides I've used before. This is a summary of the kind of things God has done for us. You're a new creature. You have His nature, the fruit of the Spirit. You are holy without blame. You've been adopted as His child. You are literally His child. You've been redeemed from Satan's hold over your life and you have an inheritance. So here's the problem. As I stood here and told you, you are as holy as He is. You are as righteous as Jesus is. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God because we're in Christ Jesus. But if all those things are in me, then why are you going to tell us? I know myself. Put the next slide up. So the difference is what's between what God's done and what we're experiencing. It's the difference between what He's done on the inside of us and what's showing up on the outside of us. So in order to understand so our mind can think, because here's the struggle we have. We read these scriptures. We sit in church and we hear this. 
And something gets stirred up in us because it's resonating with who we really are on the inside. It says the Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. So when you hear that, the Spirit in you is trying to say, yes, that's you, yes, that's you. By the way, that's how Jesus discovered who he was. This is he grew in wisdom and understanding. That means when he was one years old, he didn't know he was the Son of God. You do know he didn't walk around with a halo around his head. How did he find out who he was? Because he read the scriptures. And every time we would talk about this Messiah, something would resonate in him. That's you. That's you who they're talking about. That's you. And gradually the realization of that would dawn on him. So when you read this word about who you are, it resonates down inside of you, but in some of us it's buried so deep, we don't, we don't hear, sense the, grum- the rumblings that are going on. So when we read all these things, but we know ourselves, and we know, I'm not walking in all that. What does your mind do with that? See, this is what we're talking about. What does your mind do with that? Because here's what most of us tend to do if you've been around long enough. Maybe when you're first saved or you first hear this, maybe you've been a Christian all your life and you finally come to a church like this that talks about who you really are in Christ and you get excited until you go outside and you got a flat tire and you lose control and you say some words you thought you'd let go of a long time ago and you get discouraged, I guess it's not for me. But what happens to most Christians is they learn to live in this dichotomy between their church life and their real life. And so we settle for, yes, oh, praise God. Oh, he was the unmovable. All things are possible through God. I am a child of God. And I walk out there and I left all that in my assigned seat that you sit in. Some old churches used to have your own hymnal with your name on it. You just put it in the back. So you leave your righteousness there. You leave all, just leave it right there so I can pick it up again on Sunday and sing about it. But that's keeping it underneath. In, that's keeping it inside of you. There's a world out there that needs to see these things coming out of you, not because you make them happen, because you realize who you really are. So how do we do that? How, how, you have to rewire how you think about yourself when you look at this difference between this is what God says I am and this is what I'm experiencing. And there's a distinction you need to learn. And we're going to take the time to do this. Put the next slide up. It's the difference between what's the legal and the vital. I'll explain what those words mean. The legal means what God has done for you, God's side. When God said to Abraham, as for me, I have made you. When God says to, 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 uh, to Joshua, behold, I see, I have given you. When God says through that angel to, to uh, Gideon, in the, oh, mighty man of valor, God's speaking something that he has already done. But there's another part of that. The vital is what we're experiencing. Just because you're not experiencing it does not mean it's not in you. See, we tend to judge what's real by what we're experiencing. But the Bible says we need to learn to walk by faith Christian center, right? Faith. We need to walk by Faith. There was a real trend a number of years ago for churches that have been around for a while like we have to change their name so they didn't sound so churchy. So you've got all kinds of single names. And that's great. I'm glad they did that and I understand why they did it. But I didn't sense it to, to do that. It's just like God said, I named it this for a reason. This is faith. Christian. Center. So we walk by faith and not by our experience. We don't judge what God's done for us by what we're experiencing on the outside. We judge who we are by what God says we are on the inside. So here's, here's the issue. It takes both. If God doesn't do it, you can practice it all you want. It's not going to happen. But God can do something for you, put something in you, but if you don't do what it takes to bring it to the outside, that difference is going to stay there. Put, that, put the second slide back up again. So, no, 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 go back. I want to see that. I want to see it. Go back. Yeah, right there. Yeah. So if you don't do what we're going to talk about, this is where you'll be. All that's going to be inside of you, 
But you won't be experiencing, I'm not saying you're experiencing something, you won't be experiencing it to its fullness. Now jump ahead to the one you had up there, the last one. So how do we do this? You take what God's put on the inside and you bring it over to the outside by renewing your mind. That's what Romans 12, 2 says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed Transform. Transform means to take what's on the legal side and bring it over to the vital side so the world can see what God's done in you through His mercy and His grace. And the Bible says that happens. Notice it doesn't say it happens by prayer. We are to pray. That's how you develop your relationship with God. That's how God works through you. It doesn't say it's by worshiping and praising God, although that's how we develop a relationship with God. But how you bring the inside to the outside is by learning to think about yourself, about God and about the world, the way he thinks, and that's called renewing your mind. Renewing, and that's what we're going to learn how to do. But I wanted to take the time this morning to go through this so you would understand how vital it is for your life, your family's life, this church's mission, and for God's purpose in the world today for your life depends on learning how and then practicing renewing your mind. If any man be in Christ, are you in Christ? He is a new creation. Old things, who you used to be in your inner nature, have passed away. And all things inside of you have become new. But pastor, that's not what I'm experiencing. That's right. Because the reason you're not experiencing it is you haven't yet really learned how to renew your mind. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for what you've done for us. Your great, great, great step of faith that you would deposit in us such rich treasures as your own son and your own spirit, that you would adopt us as your own children, knowing what we're really like and more about us than we really know what we learn from your word that we are trophies of your grace and of your mercy, not of our accomplishments. And so we come today to yield to you, to allow you through the Holy Spirit to to have access to us. We are willing to open our minds and change how we think about you, about ourselves, about whatever it is you want us to change our thinking. And as we begin this journey together, we trusting the Holy Spirit to take the things that we hear, the things that we see, and begin to through this week, as we meditate on them, as He bring them back to our remembrance, to begin to, to process these things and allow the precious, precious Holy Spirit to be our teacher. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close in just a second, but something very important we need to do right now. As I mentioned a little while ago, I'm talking, I'm addressing these comments today to those people among you that have, that have recognized that they, cannot, that they, they, can't produce, they can't produce oranges because they're an apple tree. You've tried hard your whole life and, and you maybe have this fear that someday when I'm dying I'm going to have to stand before God because you will. And I'm going to have to give an account for my life and the problem is God's standard is perfection. His standard is, in order to come into heaven, you have to be as holy as He is. When I saw that in the Bible, I cried out, I can't do that. I need somebody to save me. And the moment I heard those words out of my own mouth, I realized why Jesus came and died on the cross for me. I needed to be saved, even though I was a good person. Compared to most of you, I was a very good person. But I wasn't compared to God. And when you stand before God, you're either going to stand before Him in your own merits. And I'm talking to those of you online and maybe to some people here this morning. You're going to stand before God on your own merits. Or you're going to stand before God in Christ and in what He's done for you and in His holiness and in His righteousness. 
And if you stand in your own merits, you're going to fall so far short. But if you come into Christ, in order to stand in Christ, for Christ to stand in you, you have to recognize that you need him to save you from yourself. You have to acknowledge that you cannot do this in your own strength. And you have to be willing to humble yourself enough to realize, Jesus, I need you in my life as my Savior. I need you to do in me what Pastor John has talked about this morning. Because if you'll do that and mean it, everything I've talked about this morning will apply to you. All those things will be in you and we'll help you to bring it to the outside. So if that's you watching online, I want to I lead you in a simple prayer. But before I do that, there may be somebody here this morning. And this applies to you also. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but, but I want to pray for you. But I need you to let me know by raising your hand. Sometimes it's hard to see with the lights. All right. Here's what I want to do. If you're watching online, or if that's you and you were too shy to raise your hands, I'm going to ask everybody to join me in this prayer. But I'm asking you to mean it as best you can. You don't have to understand it all, but you have to acknowledge you want to change in your life, down inside. So pray this with me. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You know everything I've ever done, everything I've ever said, everything I ever thought. For whatever did not please you, I ask you to forgive me. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Make me clean in your sight. Jesus, I call upon you to come into my life as my Savior. And I take my life as it is right now, and I put it into your hands to be Lord. Fill me with your spirit that I may live strong for you for the rest of my days. Thank you for loving me this much. Amen. Now, if you pray that with me today online for the first time, or maybe you made a recommitment of your life to him, there's a phone number at the bottom of your screen. If you would call that number tomorrow morning, someone live will answer that phone, and we want to send to you some free material to give you a better understanding of what, we've done, what you've done today. If you're here this morning and you prayed that for the first time and you just didn't raise your hand, then come up and see, come up and see me after the service. I don't see Pastor Michael over there right now. Come up and see me after the service and I'll make sure that you get that material. God bless you. Let's stand together. We're just beginning this exciting journey together. Now we're going to get interrupted. Next week, Pastor Smucker will be here. But uh, he, is, he is a dynamic man of God. He's, this church he founded about the same time our pastor Sam founded this church. He graduated from Rima several years before uh, my wife and I did. And this is a marvelous church. They run about over 4,000 people. They've got over 100 missionaries that they have sent abroad and founded and that they support. So, oh, by the way, if you are, want to help support the, the Ukraine relief fund that, that, uh, that uh, Christopher Alam has formed, there's a way you can give online. Just say missions. I forgot to mention that earlier. So please help support that. He'll be here at the end of next month, and we'll talk a little bit more of that. God bless you. We'll look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night. Let's end with a little bit of worship.